talk about quiet quitting, what it is and why it's happening. Well, first of all, what is it? Well, I spent a summer working as a trainer in a job center where there was a running joke that everyone there was looking for a job. And it was notable that when people are not happy, even the workers, they tend to do the bare minimum. When people come into work and keep their head down, it is very likely they're keeping their head down over the computer looking for another job. Quiet quitting is a great way to describe the gradual withdrawal from a working relationship. And even if it's not a form of protest, it is likely to happen when people are working through their notice or have made the decision to leave, even if they haven't handed it in. Once you've quietly quit, the physical act of leaving is a case of when and not if. But there are some positives. Quiet quitting sets boundaries, and this is never a bad thing. There are some times in which a gradual withdrawal from work responsibility makes sense. If there is a departure date due, it's not fair on colleagues or clients to take on a new project, which then has to be given up midway. So if it's possible to hand over earlier, then that might be great. There are also some aspects of a job, for example, being the person who buys the birthday cards, that are maybe not vital. And if you did want to pass on the mantle or simply draw back and see if it's missed, and it can hurt if it's not, then maybe that's not a bad thing either. It is, of course, important not to confuse quiet quitting with laziness or being deliberately obtuse. Now, in many ways, it is arguable that if you are doing what your job description requires of you, which form part of your contract and thus commitment, why would you be doing more in the first place? It is worth noting, if a job description has changed, it is always appropriate to request a new one and get it signed off, as some things really cannot fall under the catch-all of, as well as additional responsibilities that may be required from time to time. But I do appreciate the situation is a little bit more complex. So sometimes quiet quitting is not because of demands imposed by work. In the first instance, effort cannot be measured. Someone who stays up all night to finish a report without being asked to and produces something which is accepted as a similarly high standard as the person who hammered it out in an hour is going to feel more exhausted and less appreciated than the said hammerer. But that doesn't mean to say the quality of the report is not the same. So we do need to ask some questions over why people may be wanting to quietly quit. We need to ask who demanded the overwork in the first place, because sometimes it may be us that needs to engage in self-reflection if my behavior has created the need to quietly quit. If it's not the demand placed on me, but the demand I place on myself, it is a very different situation. Now, a clearer situation is if your job role has suddenly changed or a short-term additional responsibility becomes a long-term one. And in those cases of change or pressure, you've raised the point and it's just not been addressed. And that's quite important. A huge aspect of this is the extra demands and the feelings of burnout, which can sometimes lead to quiet quitting if you're not supported. Because quiet quitting can help well-being. On the face of it, as long as someone is doing their job competently and as required, I would ask if anything else is actually needed. But Positive psychologist Martin Seligman proposed there are three routes to happiness, a sense of purpose, a sense of flow and healthy relationships. The whole problem with feeling overworked, 
You may feel you're not performing up to the standard you want to give. So your sense of flow is disrupted. You may find you're not giving or doing work that matches your values. Again, your sense of purpose is affected. And if you're working positively, but your environment is unpleasant, then your sense of that healthy relationships is also distorted. We want to do well. We want to try hard. We want to grow and achieve. But if we're not being allowed to do that, we might have to find somewhere else that does allow us to. And actually, quiet quitting can disrupt those feelings as well. Withdrawing from work takes away the opportunity to do that. But whilst we do know from a Department of Work and Pensions report that work is a wonderful place of well-being, it can also be a very difficult place if the area itself is toxic or not psychologically safe. So if quiet quitting enables you to set boundaries which you're happy with, then perhaps it's not even quiet quitting. Perhaps it's just doing your job. But if it causes you distress because you want to engage more and it hurts you emotionally not to, then perhaps you do need different well-being support and you do need further intervention in order to help you stay. When I wrote my PhD recommendations in 2012 and I focused on frontline workers such as teachers and nurses who were patient or student facing and the extra demands that they had in that almost performance capacity as well as having to do their job. I did make the point that it's not up to the worker alone to deal with the stresses and strains of the job. Yes, there are things individuals can do. And yes, setting boundaries is part of that, as well as asking for help or asking for support and raising concerns. But the organization and sometimes the client too plays a role in well-being. In my own work, I always tell people I can give you as individuals tips and tools, including boundary setting to manage your well-being. But if I then send you back to an unchanging toxic environment, is well-being any better than a tick box? Do not confuse well-being incentives with a healthy, psychologically safe culture of being well. So I personally don't think quiet quitting is the solution to the question of well-being. But being able to change a toxic environment so that quiet quitting isn't a factor might be. But should we just stop going above and beyond? Well, people don't actually want to. And if someone is and they have the time and energy to do it, then in one regard, it's probably not a problem. However, what organizations do have to be mindful of is if the person who is going above and beyond has specific circumstances driving him or her to do that, then there may be a reason why that person is choosing to do it, which could prove important to find out, especially if it eventually leads to their burnout. Also, it's important to urge people not to work for free or to sometimes go too far on that extra mile because this can unfairly askew opportunities towards those who have the capacity to do it. And that could be very unfair on the people who'd love to, but don't have that opportunity. So if you are quite quitting, maybe ask yourself the following questions. Do you simply need to quit? Nothing to do with quiet just hand in your resignation. If that's the case, then look at your financial bottom line, decide what you need to do and how long you have to do it, and maybe take some action. 
reflect on your own actions and think about whether your feelings of burnout are placed on you by work or self-imposed. Speak to someone who might be able to change the demands placed on you. And with regards to the last point, know what those changes would look like. Because even if the change comes too late for you, it might help others who come after you. Ultimately, work is a place where people can succeed and feel appreciated, put in effort and see the fruits of their literal labor. And when someone is quietly quitting, that's a whole opportunity for someone to feel great. Gone. And that's all we have time for. But for more practical ways to boost your well-being, check out my YouTube channel, Dr. Audrey T, Practical Tools for Everyday Wellbeing, or my Facebook page of the same name. Or have a look at my website, www.draudreyt.com, or tune in to the Wellbeing Lounge on Tuesday nights, 9 till 10, for your hour of mental health on NLive Radio.